What is up guys? It is Quinn here back with another fantasy football video. And today I'm going to be talking about three backfields that I'm generally going to be avoiding for fantasy football. You know, so for whatever reasons, I just think these backfields are going to turn into a headache and I'm likely going to be avoiding most of these players. You know, maybe I'd be going after like the RB2 or the RB3, but overall, I feel like it's just going to be a pain throughout the season. You never know who's going to be scoring the points, and it would be better to just go in different directions at these specific picks. So three backfields that I just think are going to be rough, you know, to kind of navigate for fantasy. I'll break those all down. While you guys are watching, you know the drill. If you enjoy the content, do me a huge favor, hit that like button and subscribe to the channel. That really helps me out a ton. But let's jump into the first backfield that I'm going to be avoiding and that is going to be the Washington Commanders. New name, the Commanders. This just looks like it's going to be lined up to be a very ugly split. Last season, it was kind of a two-headed monster here. I don't know if you call it a monster. It wasn't really that imposing, but you had Antonio Gibson, who was taking a lot of the early down work and then the goal line opportunities. A lot of people, including myself, were very hopeful that Gibson would kind of take more of that workhorse role. It really didn't happen because you had J.D. McKissick taking the third down work, a lot of the receiving opportunities, and then he was also the two-minute drill guy. So, you know, decent split there. Gibson didn't really have that elite ceiling, and then McKissick didn't have, like, enough work to be a super reliable start. So overall, just not a good situation there. Then Washington decides to go out and draft Brian Robinson in the third round. That is solid draft capital for a running back. That's not just drafting someone to be, like, a, a bench warmer you know, your RB3, that's someone who's probably going to be involved in your lineup. And Ron Rivera has already come out. This was his quote. He said, well, I think for the most part, it's going to be a committee. And when a coach comes out and says it's going to be a committee, you want to believe them. But you could say, you know, a committee could be between two players like we saw last season. Then he goes out again, continues that statement, and then says some of the things we did in Carolina, we're trying to emulate thinking, oh, maybe Christian McCaffrey. It's not Christian McCaffrey. He said, we had D'Angelo Williams and Jonathan Stewart, and we had Fozzie Whitaker as a change of pace back, third down type of guy. Well, when you look at what we have right now, you can say we have that same thing. So Ron Rivera clearly wants to use all three of these running backs. We're likely going to have Gibson and Brian Robinson splitting the early down work and the goal line opportunities. I'd expect Gibson to be like the 1A, uh, Robinson to be the 1B of that situation. And then you'll have JD McKissick taking the third down work. And all of this is going to be going down in an offense that's not going to be good. Limited scoring opportunities, not a ton of yardage opportunities. So just kind of a really gross situation here. Right now, Antonio Gibson is being drafted as the RB23 in the sixth round. I would definitely be avoiding him at that price. The only player I'd kind of consider drafting here would be JD McKissick. In best ball, he's going super late, too late in my opinion. But in terms of redraft, it's always just super tough, you know, with those third down backs, unless they're wildly involved and very consistently. Guys like J.D. McKissick, Naheem Hines, you never know when to start them. There's no consistency there. They have a big game, put up 20 points, like six receptions, and then the next game, they have three carries, two, you know, receptions, and they score nothing in your lineup. McKissick was the RB31 in points per game last season, and he scored under eight points in a five out of 11 games, and that's PPR. So just no consistency there. I could see him as like your RB4, RB5, but he's not a guy I'm wildly optimistic about, you know, for 2022. Now, moving on to the second backfield that I'm avoiding, it is going to be the Seattle Seahawks. I've already talked about earlier in the offseason 
not liking Kenneth Walker, but really it's basically this entire backfield. And this isn't me, you know, disliking specific players. It's not me hating on Kenneth Walker as a talent or hating on a guy like Rashad Penny. It's more of the Seahawks overall situation. In my mind, there are three big red flags in this backfield. The first one is that it's very likely to be a committee. For fantasy, we do not like that. Pete Carroll has already come out talking about feeding the hot hand, limiting overall workloads to keep players healthy. And it kind of makes sense from his perspective. You're looking at the running backs the last few years. You've had injuries to Rashad Penny and Chris Carson over the last few seasons. He probably wants to even out the workload a little bit. The second big red flag is that this is likely going to be a very low scoring offense. This is not the Seahawks with Russell Wilson at quarterback. This is going to be Drew Locke or Geno Smith. I expect this offense to struggle. That's obviously going to limit the overall touchdown opportunities. And then when you're adding in like a committee offense on top of that, now you have two different running backs splitting the already limited number of rushing touchdowns. Just not a great recipe for success there. And then the third red flag is that the Seahawks just do not throw to their running backs. We saw Chris Carson operate as the RB1 for the first four games of the season. He was only targeted six times in that span. And we know that Chris Carson can catch the ball. It's not like he's incompetent as a pass catcher. And then remember, Rashad Penny had that massive breakout towards the end of the year, was dominant, potential league winner for you. So he really had that huge workload the last five games of the season. Over that stretch, he averaged 18.4 carries per game. He was only targeted seven total times in that stretch. So we kind of saw the ceiling of like a uh, Seahawks workhorse running back, and there was still no involvement in the receiving game. That is not ideal. Right now, we have Kenneth Walker going in the eighth round, Rashad Penny in the 10th. And so you're not spending elite draft capital on these guys, but I just think there are better options at other positions and even better options at running back in this range. So for Kenneth Walker at the running back position, I'd rather go for a guy like Miles Sanders. He may be going a little bit ahead of Kenneth Walker or a guy like Cordero Patterson, who on underdog is going after uh, Walker. And then even like a handcuff option, like Tony Pollard, like he'll be involved week to week. But if Zeke goes down, like Pollard shoots up to like top 12 running back, you're not going to get that out of either of these Seahawks backs, even if one of the other guys goes down. In that case, you're looking at like a mid to back end running back two. And then in Rashad Penny's kind of ADP range, you can go for players like Chase Edmonds or Melvin Gordon, who are going to be in committees, but just overall better committees. Like give me the Dolphins committee and Chase Edmonds might be leading that or the Broncos where Melvin Gordon is a Javante Williams injury away from being like a top 12 running back, probably if he can get that workhorse opportunities. So that is why I'm fading the Seahawks running backs. And then I even mentioned Chris Carson. Like if he somehow comes back from this neck injury, that's just another added layer that I'm just not comfortable going with here for Kenneth Walker or Rashad Penny. And now moving on to the third and final backfield, it's going to be the New England Patriots. And the Patriots are just always a brutal backfield to be involved in. The Patriots love to embrace a committee backfield. They embrace it like no other. And it really seems like no matter who they plug in, they always manage to find success with running backs. Every year, they're going to plug in one dude you've never heard of, and he's going to put together a pretty solid fantasy game. Obviously, Damian Harris seems to be the clear top option. And I actually don't think he's the worst pick at running back 31. But if you're drafting him there, there's really just no upside. And there's also really no guarantee his carries aren't going to be split. I feel like you're kind of betting on him maintaining that exact same role from last year when really that kind of is his peak, especially when you're looking at his touchdown numbers. 
He was very reliant on touchdowns last year, scored 15 in 15 games, and he's never going to have a solid role in the receiving game. That's just not how they do things here. You have James Wright returning. He's likely going to be like the receiving down back, the third down guy. He was actually pretty solid early in the season prior to his injury. So if he's healthy, it'll be him. I think you have Ramondre Stevenson there who's interesting. I feel like it's almost a guarantee that Ramondre Stevenson's going to go out. He's going to have two, three big games at the end of the season when you look back at it, but you don't know when it's going to happen, and it's likely going to be a result of injury to a guy like Damian Harris, where Ramondre Stevenson can step up and then have that big role. So in redraft, Ramondre Stevenson's going to be drafted like 10th, 11th round, and I'm just picturing this happening. We're going to have Ramondre Stevenson kind of playing behind Damian Harris, not having the receiving role, basically doing nothing because he's kind of like a handcuff or getting a few touches, but nothing to be super fantasy relevant. He's going to do that for two, three weeks. You know, whoever drafted him is going to cut him because he's not producing. And then, you know, Damian Harris goes down week eight. He gets picked up and thrown into someone's lineup. I just don't think he's someone you really want to carry. I feel like this Patriots backfield is one you kind of have to be reactionary towards. If an injury happens, you scoop up the next best running back, get them on your roster. That's kind of how I'd play with it. I don't want to be sitting these dudes who you never know who's going to be the guy. You know, you have Pierre Strong also in the mix here, a freakish athlete who the Patriots drafted in the fourth round. And then just to kind of wrap it up, you always have the threat of Bill Belichick just yanking a running back for fumbling one time. So can you ever really feel truly confident plugging any of these guys into your lineup? I don't know. I think it's just a situation where you don't want to be drafting these dudes with decent draft capital. You just kind of want to be adapting throughout the season, picking up the guy who has the hot hand, the one you think is going to get the opportunity. And that's kind of how you win with this backfield, not by burning your draft picks on it. So those are the three backfields I'm avoiding, the Commanders, the Seahawks, and then the New England Patriots. And that is going to wrap it up for this one. If you enjoy the content, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel. Over the next uh, four or five days, I'm going to be updating my uh, fantasy rankings. So I'll be doing like top 20 wide receivers, top 20 running backs, maybe like top 15 quarterbacks, tight ends. We'll see, but those will be coming out very shortly. So stay tuned for that. Thank you for stopping by and I'll see you guys in the next one.